Hello, hello, this is Alex Burkett, and you are listening to the Long Game Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Dave Gerhardt. If you work in B2B marketing, you know Dave already. Dave runs DGMG, a B2B marketing education platform and consulting company. He was before the chief brand officer at Drift, and before that, the chief marketing officer at Privy. His resume is absolutely stacked, so I'm just going to stop right there. If you spend any time on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook, you know Dave for his great content as well. So in this convo, we covered quite a bit from his recently launched book, Founder Brand, uh, what it was like writing it and launching it, why he wrote it, and what he learned from the process, uh, to his thoughts on building a media company if you're a B2B brand. We also get a sneak peek at his long game vision for building DGMG. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dave Gerhardt. I wanted to ask about your book launch because that's probably top of mind for you right now. I've seen you post a lot on um, DGMG and, and all that. So how has that gone? What's what's uh, How's the book going? The book is... The book is going great. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I was kind of nervous about it because it's a big deal, like a physical book. And I just was ready for everybody to hate it. And I got in my head about it. And uh, the responses have just been, has been amazing. It's been so cool. And it's not, it's not even from like big tech CEOs that are reading, but like I'm talking to like just people who run their own business and, you know, had been thinking about wanting to like do more to build their brand and grow their business. And they just started posting and they're like, I got your book and they're sending me pictures. And it just, it just so cool in a world that's like so digital, like my, in my Twitter DMs and Instagram and LinkedIn has just been all like strangers sending me pictures of like different pages of the book and everything that, that part has been really cool. And, um, the other thing that the reason I said really good is just not even like a, it's not a financial thing because it was it was actually a terrible money making choice because we did a ninety nine cent Kindle uh, like basically giving it away version for to do a promo for the first week, but like it's been such a I've re so many people that I haven't talked to in like years have like reached out this week to reconnect for some reason, which is so funny because like all the stuff that I talk about in Founder Brand like I've talked about in DGMG I talk about a lot. If I created an online course called Founder Brand, there's no way that like my kindergarten teacher who owns a local bookstore in Worcester, Massachusetts was would be like posting and taking pictures and like sharing it with people. But it's just like something about like I, I've had like four or five people that I played college baseball with that I haven't talked to in over 10 years. Like we don't keep in touch at all, have messaged me and they like read it or bought it. And it's something about it being a physical thing that has like created this connection and that was not a intentional thing and so i've kind of been like wow there's the thing that the thought that i'm lately stuck on is like there's just something to like having something physical uh and so i don't even care like you know people can say whatever they want about the book after they read it you can have your own opinion on it i'm not expecting everybody to love it um but it's just so cool to see like this reaction to something physical in a world where like if it was an online course there's no way this would be happening and that's that's coming from someone who does online courses, and I would sell more of them and do more of them. I'm just it's just an observation, right? My hypothesis there is that it's something to do with costly signaling because the effort, like everybody knows, like putting so much effort into a book, like no, not everybody's going to do that, right? 
like a, a tweet could go viral, a LinkedIn post could go viral, but like I think there's a perception, maybe rightly so, that it's cheap to do so. There's no barrier to entry, whereas like putting together a book, you have to go through maybe find a publisher, at least self-publish. Like there's so many different like logistical things. Yeah. And I'm sure the book took, I don't even I don't know how long it took to write, but I'm sure it was a long time. It took 18 months. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I obviously worked with a, I work with a, it's self-published. Like I own hundred percent of it and the way that it's set up is self-publishing. But I, uh, I worked with a company to like help actually execute on it. Cause me sitting here in my house as a person of one needed somebody to work, to, to work with on the book. Um, was but that one of those like, like scribe media? Yeah. Type? We, yeah. I worked with scribe and it was, uh, mm-hmm. way harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, like we, we, you know, I would get like you know, 50 pages of edits back and like, Hey, we need, we need comments on this by like next week. Wow. And I'm like, normally I just kind of like flip through Google doc, you know, make, make a headline comment here, but I'm like, this is going to have my name on it. This is going to have my name on it. This is going to be physics and people are going to hold this. And so, um, yeah, for, I don't know, at least an hour a day, two hours a day, probably for the last 18 months I've worked on the book. It's wild. Um, I want to ask why you wrote a book, but I actually want to infer something. And that is, I think a lot of marketers deeply harbor a fantasy of writing a book and think they always have. So is this something you've wanted to do for a long time or what was the impetus? Uh, it, no, I've, I've never, I've never, well, I guess I wanted to do it cause I ended up writing, writing the book. Um, a couple of reasons. We did a couple of different books at Drift, and I felt a similar thing to what I mentioned about like the connection. And I was like, I more thought that like the book was like maybe end of last year or like a year and a half, maybe two years ago at this point. But like DGMG had kind of become a thing, and I had kind of started to build an audience of my own. And I really focused on talking about marketing, and it was all those signals that that was like it said to me like, oh, people would read a book on a X topic if I, if I wrote it, right? And it's like, I had mm-hmm. saw, I see, I saw enough like signals through social media and other channels that, okay, there's some subset of people who might be interested in the things that I say or my perspective or experience about marketing. And so like, I think, I think I could sell, I think I could sell a book if I, if I did a book. Um, whereas like probably six, seven years ago, I may have wanted to write a book for like the creative process of it, but hmm. I, I maybe would, could have sold like 40 copies and you know they all would have been my friends and family. And so I think part of it was like, I had some success with Drift and some success with Privy and, and I started, you know, I shared a lot of, you know, B2B marketing thoughts. And that's what I like to talk about on, on, on social media. And so like those had led to building a small audience of my own. And I thought um, the, a way to go further with that audience would be to create a book. And then uh, I love talking about marketing and I love teaching and sharing and, and creating ideas. And I also love, I love the marketing part of it. And so I, as much as I wanted to write the book, I actually wanted to like go through the process of it because I love coming up with the title, coming up with the cover, coming up with the layout, the structure, the marketing plan, the offers, the who's, you know, like that, that whole strategy, like sending copies to early people and having them post on social media or, you know, that, that type of stuff. I, I love that. And then the last part of it was like, I kind of had like 
one or two philosophies that I felt they weren't like unique to me as like somebody, you know, said the other, like this, there's nothing groundbreaking in this book. Some guy left me a review. So like, there's nothing groundbreaking in this book and he's not right. He's entirely right. This is all clearly taking off of the things that I've ingested over the years. But what I spit out into the world was, Hey, here is a playbook that I think at least here's how I would articulate. This is kind of what I've done with the companies that I've worked at over the last couple of years. I'm going to try to put it into a book and kind of like, cement that a little bit. And I think actually the process of writing a book helped me clarify that idea the same way, you know, like writing can be the, 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 the thing that brings clarity. And so it was like a cool exercise to try to have to like package this and actually think about it. And so the way that I came up with founder brand was, well, something that we did at drift was like very focused on building a media company and using the founder. And we had a podcast and very active on social media and similar similar but different playbook at drift and then in my own life with dgmg that starts to explode and like the thread between all that what what were those ingredients which is like twitter linkedin podcasting strong storytelling and strong connection to like the feedback loop on social media i was like i wonder if there's a way that i could like talk about what that is and i was like i came up with the name founder brand and i was inspired by I really, I really liked uh, Donald Miller's book Story Brand, and I love the title for that book. And I was like, "Oh, what Story Brand is a great concept!" But like, kind of what I've been doing is like Founder Brand. Look it up. Does anybody own the domain Founder Brand? Nobody owns the domain Founder Brand. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll call Founder Brand the title. And then the coolest part was like I had the the outline and the I had written like the six page like outline just just like in in one sitting, and that's what I knew like this was going to be a this was this was real to me. Was so like I didn't have to slog through like what's the book going to be about. I sat down and I was like for a couple hours. I just banged out like the start. You know, the founder. Here's why. Here's why I still think social media is so underrated and being used wrong by most B two B companies. Here's how you can do it. Here are the things that I do. Screenshots, examples. Like I, I I do this every day. And one of the coolest parts was like the most meta piece of it was like I tested the title with. My with the DGMG community people, like I have this this private Facebook group of a bunch of marketing people, and I first shared the concept of the book, and I said like, "Hey, I'm thinking about writing a book. If you if you know knowing what you know about me, what would you write about?" And it was amazing. I had like a hundred comments of like all these different ideas, and a lot of them started to hit on this concept. And so then I went back, and a couple of weeks later, I had like a bunch of ideas on the title. In uh, the title, you know, you go through the title process, and like. I shared an idea for the title with with the community and people gave me feedback on it and they tweaked it. And so it was super cool to be able to like actually test it along the way with the community. And then like the ultimate lesson is like, that's kind of what I talk about in the book, which is like at Drift, we built up this engaged audience of people through a podcast, Seeking Wisdom, which had nothing to do with the product that we were selling, but that created super fans. It created this like amazing connection with people that created our initial audience that helped us get initial traction, which helped us get our uh, our existing customers. And so I've seen just like the power of building an audience, what you, what you get from that. And like, you know, you and I recently just worked together on some content stuff, but like all the ideas that we came up with for content were basically driven through the community. And so the thing that I talk about in the book is how it's not just about publishing on social media to like be you know be vain and like gain followers it's about this like insane marketing hack which is i hate to even use as a hack but it's like if you have an audience you can literally foolproof this and so this is like a long rant on on the book but ultimately i felt like okay the book can't be that bad because i've already kind of like tested a lot of these concepts with people and i felt really good that if i do a book 
then it then it it might sell and, and it's kind of like a lot of the stuff that i talk about is is the stuff that i that i've that i've been doing uh, there's so many directions I want to go here, but uh, you mentioned a couple of times media company, building a media company, building an audience. And that's something that I hear a lot nowadays <laughs> when I was at HubSpot. Um, that was a, a huge focus, obviously, like since the beginning. And then they bought the hustle. Uh, Stripe is doing a publishing arm. I think Coinbase is doing something like this as well. Everybody's going straight to the audience as opposed to going through public relations and um, publications. Uh, but I, I don't feel like anybody's really truly defined what a media company means in the context of like a B2B brand. I think you are a media company in many ways right now. And I think like Drift was a very good example of that. So like, what do you, how do you define like a media company outside of, I know you mentioned the channels that could be useful for this, like Twitter and LinkedIn, and you mentioned storytelling, but like, how, how do you go from like going through the motions in those places to actually building something that people care about and want to follow? Well, okay. I think that, um, I don't know, I've never had to like give a sexy definition to a media company, but I think like, I would say that it's probably something like um, an entity that puts out content about a particular topic and attracts and with the goal of attracting and building an audience of people who might be interested in that topic. And so that could be... um, you are the hustle and you're you talk about entrepreneurship and you kind of these kind of like unique business ideas and you're going to build an audience of entrepreneurs or solopreneurs or entrepreneur whatever whatever they are right and um i talk about this a lot because i think that most and i I mostly talk about b2b companies is that that's your world on this right like mostly yeah i would say for the most part yeah okay for the most part i think the advice applies either way but most b2b companies struggle with like things like content marketing and social media because i just think they use them wrong they use them as like promotional channels for their business which is already kind of like by nature going to be more boring because it's usually b2b and i don't think b2b is boring i just think like it's not the it, it it's harder to build a it's harder to build a social media presence for a b2b company than it is for like a like a, a golf, a golf meme account or something, right? right? Yeah, or, 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 or Wendy's, right? It's just that you're just appealing to, to different things. And so, what I see happen over and over is like these companies, they just kind of like they they had they're on all these channels, but like the way they use Twitter and LinkedIn and 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 YouTube or whatever it is, is they just kind of post like all stuff related to their company. When I think the the real way to like actually build an audience and build a following is to to be like the number one resource or a top resource for your dream customer and work backwards from there. So like if you are in event, if you, if I want to build an audience of event marketing people and I'm an event marketing software company, the way that I will be effective at building an audience on social media will be through trying to become a number one, trying to make that event marketing person, person laugh, smile, share something, learn something, get something new to be the number one resource for that. And so if you and me just had our own side hustle, we're like, we're going to, we're going to build a newsletter for event marketing people. And it's just going to be awesome. Like we could probably, we would have a better chance of growing that just you and me, if it was our side hustle, than we would, if we were like implanted on the marketing team of a B2B SaaS company, because Mm. they're, they're going to be like, 
demand gen team is like asking them, Hey, can you promote this on, on, on social media? And can you promote our webinar on social media? And can you promote this event on social media? And we got to promote this award on social media, but we just like keep doing all those things. And then you don't actually ever build an audience and a following. And it's not that I, I don't, I don't think that um, I'm not interested in like the vanity of building an audience and following, but I think the following really does matter because ultimately is the goal, the goal is to drive some type of result for the business. And so like, did HubSpot drive more buyers in the very early days because of their presence and the content they put out on Twitter and LinkedIn? Hundred percent. It, it mattered that they were like one of the only B two B accounts with like a million Twitter followers back in the day, like because they they had they had reach and so they could actually when they needed to promote something they could actually drive people there. And so maybe like you know eight out of ten times they're talking about inbound marketing or marketing, and then when they have to promote something it actually works. And so. Um, I just I like to use the media company mindset because I think it's a it's a different mindset. Like, how can you be the media company? The how can you be the blog, the newsletter, the resource for your niche? Not like we're a B two B SaaS company that has social media channels. You mentioned offhand that like you and I could do a newsletter, and probably that would be more successful than if we were implanted in a company doing the same thing and trying to build yep. that. So I'm kind of implying, but. I would guess that's because there's less red tape. We could just kind of like fire off and have more authenticity and personality. Um, we could add more of ourselves there and less of the no, promotion. I, I don't. Stuff. I don't think it's the personality thing. I I think it's the misalignment around like goal. Like somebody would try to goal it, and within two weeks of us getting a hundred subscribers on it, the VP of sales would be like, "Yo, let me we need send to monetize. Me, wait, let me let me hit them up. Yeah, let me let me send them. <laughs> They're like, let's get them in our funnel, right." And it, and it's such a hard thing to to like to to wrangle inside of the company because like everyone's everyone's working hard, everyone's stretched thin, everyone's trying to like hit the number, hit the goal. It's it, it, like you use kind of always want to use that channel to promote it. But like here, I'll give you an actual example to explain this better. When we when we st- like in the early days of Drift, we started seeking wisdom, which was a podcast about like just learning mm-hmm. the books we were learning, what we we're learning. As we're building Drift, David's observations and and lessons and and all that stuff, and we 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 never talked about like here's how to use Drift's chatbot <laughs> product, but people built a relationship with us. We talked about topics that were kind of like tangential to the people that we wanted to sell to. So sales and marketing people were interested in stories about entrepreneurship and book reviews and things we were learning, but we never like promoted drift heavily on that show but it was because we were associated with drift and we ended up building an email list and we ended up then after like 6 months of doing the podcast when we actually launched our product we we could do a podcast episode and be like hey we've kind of been like building in public doing this along the way i know we don't often talk about like our product on this uh, on this podcast but we actually launched it today here's what it is like you can you can actually then like earn the right to mm. to do that but that happened that has to happen like over like long stretches of time it becomes like cool we're going to do this newsletter after a month like how, how are we going to turn this into a pipeline how are we going to turn this into revenue where like once you build an audience like like gong, gong is another great example like they focus on linkedin early and they just kind of focus very specifically on linkedin and they're one of the few like b2b saas companies i've seen that has like a meaningful like they have 100,000 followers on on LinkedIn and and the engagement is real. It's not just like people commenting like nice, you know, it's not like just employees commenting on the post like nice, love this company. Right. Ah, you know, it's like actual 
actual substance, actual thoughts. And so because they built that LinkedIn, that that LinkedIn funnel, like the team, the content team at Gong is not like slamming their heads against the 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 desk trying to figure out how will we optimize this content to get more eyeballs on. And it's like they built this amazing top of the funnel strategy. One out of every 10 posts, they tell you about like some in-depth research guide that they wrote about, you know, sales templates. That research guide about sales templates is actually going to help them drive revenue. And they've only promoted Gong really one out of 10 times. And so instead of the VP of sales asking for like, hey, when can we sell to this audience? You basically like build up a strong, engaged audience, you prime them, you build credibility and trust. And then when you have something, they're still coming with value. They're not promoting on LinkedIn, like, hey, go sign up for our demo. They're like, hey, go get these these 300 sales templates. Okay, well, the people that go and get those sales templates are probably in sales because they're going to use them. And then they're probably a good fit for, for Gong. And so like at that point, they introduce it. But just as like content is not a direct, rest- at least in the way that I think about it, like content is a is not a always a direct response channel. And I've seen multiple different examples of like the power of building an audience. And I'm not saying that everybody has to do this. I'm definitely biased by my experience and my mar- my approach to marketing has been very like social media content audience building heavy. You can definitely win with other playbooks. I'm talking about like what I've seen and I've seen it be an advantage. And I've also seen like, I talk to a lot of companies who are very analytical, but then I talk about some of this stuff and they're like, it's like I'm speaking an entire new language and like they've never even thought about doing some of that stuff. Well, there's there's a time and a place for I think both of these because like my background is in conversion rate optimization and direct response stuff. So I'm like a performance guy. But now that I'm at the agency, it's like you can't really do that much performance marketing. You've got to build these brand channels. So with the podcast in particular, we we haven't tried to squeeze any juice from it too early. We're like, and maybe we never will. Maybe it's something that we just continue to build up trust and authority through that and build audience. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, like I think you could be uh, like. If if it was me, I would be like share my podcast would be all about like, yeah, talking to talking to other marketing people, whoever you want to talk to. But like I'd be telling my story about like, why did you all quit your jobs to go start this 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 content business? Right. What did you learn? Like that to me, and that's like exactly like the point of founder brand. Like I think that is the best ingredient you can use today because there's so much noise, there's so much competition, it's harder than ever to stand out. Like the way you're gonna win clients is not because you're cheaper or you do, you know, you're not going to, you don't want to win on that. So like, and especially in a services type of business, people are going to buy from people. And so I want to feel like, shoot, the reason that I worked with you all in this example is like, oh, these people are legit. I know their backgrounds. I know where they come from. They've done some meaningful stuff. And like, I respect that the three of y'all quit, you know, quit your jobs and you're going to go build this, this agency. That to me is the best marketing content. Now, a lot of people are like, they might not be comfortable with putting that out there. And I'm not saying that you have to like share your full revenue numbers and spence, expenses and everything, but like there's a lot of damn interesting stuff. Like I think, you know, the stuff you and me talked about even before you were recording on this podcast, I think would be great podcast content to mm-hmm. build up your, your 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 credibility. And so I think like people just forget that we do think so often about the conversion rate optimization stuff. And it's very important. But with so many brands in in any industry, like so much of marketing is a game of like. Do people know, like, and trust you? Because there's five companies that do event marketing software. They're all they all are, might be the same, but like, how can I be the one that that people feel like they know, like, and trust? And like, hey, that's why I went with them first, and then they blew me away with a product demo. But I went with them because I I like them for this reason, and that's not going to be the same for everybody. 
but I think it can be a very uh, effective strategy. I totally agree. And you, you said something that multiple clients have said, which is like listening to our kitchen side episodes, which is just me and the founders talking about different, we'll brainstorm ideas or last one we talked about like our backgrounds and content and how we got to this point. They say that that allows them to picture what it's like working with us. It's like they're in our meetings. And I think that's pretty powerful. But you um, you kind of mentioned that you know you, you build up an audience and then there's this um, uh, flip you switch, right? Like, And then you maybe can start to monetize that. I don't know if that was what you're going with, but um, you know, like you don't want to monetize in the first month, but eventually well, yeah, I don't you think... do get to this privilege where you can can promote something like such as uh, you know, your example with the Drift yeah, podcast. I think like monetization is one way to think about it and that can be one goal but i think it's almost like the i think a, a better way to think about it for most people might be like trans like transfer your like you're trying to transfer your audience from that platform to somewhere else mm-hmm. you know it's like hey you've been you've been like getting all this con- you've been like you've proven that you're interesting and relevant in some way and so are those people who like and comment on your posts are they willing to actually like Sign up for one of your events. Listen to your podcast. Buy your buy your product, right? Buy your course, buy your service, whatever it is. So I don't I don't think it has to be uh, monetized, but I think it's like ultimately the end game or the end goal for any business is not just to have a bunch of fo- social media followers. It's like how can we how can we how can we use them to 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 buy to buy things and, and drive value. And how do you know when that point is? How do you know when you've built enough trust with your audience? Uh, I mean, you're kind of like you're kind of just always testing. Like I think I think if you you should be always testing different ideas, different creatives, different offers, different different things because you're not you don't just like build up for six months and then like all right, I'm gonna now promote my thing because you just don't you just don't know it could have happened earlier. And so I think like ideally you're building multiple channels as you're doing it. But you're gonna just test small, and you're gonna say like, okay, can I first? Well, like, I think first, how do you first? What's the what's the most natural connection? And so, if somebody has been engaging with your content on social media, what's the next best step? Is it to get a sales demo? Probably not. Is it to like, hey, we also have a newsletter uh, where you know twice a week we send out you know tips to content marketing professionals, and we it's not st- not stuff that we share on LinkedIn. You know, can you join our newsletter? Great. Uh, or we do this like weekly CMO interview series, and you know you should go check it out. And and it, and now you're subscribed to our podcast. And so it's tough to answer that without saying like you have to zoom all the way out and like map out the stages of the funnel for your for your business, right? And so like I like I like to think about like all the different channels and have them working together. And so like we think that social media is going to be the first place, and and so. Once we get them on social, we want to get people onto our email list. Once we get them on our email list, we want to get them to our podcast. Once we get them on our podcast, we want to get them to our uh, quarterly events. If we can get them to one of our quarterly events, maybe then we can sell to them and give them a demo. Like you can't have this co- this media company just completely operating in a in a vacuum. Like there has to be some some thought to like how does this fit in with your you know with your with your funnel and with your other assets. And I think. Um, I think this might have been from like Russell Brunson from uh, who's the founder of ClickFunnels. But like he he calls it like a an information funnel. And so like you have your product funnel, which is like your sales funnel. Like I raise my hand and I'm interested. 
but you also have this information funnel. Like, how are you going to teach your dream customers about your way of doing things and what are all the steps? And so I like to like layer them in. And so it's it's not about monetizing right out the gate, but like now I've used I've used social media to to grow a community of four thousand paying members. That happened only because for like six seven years I was putting content out on social media. It wasn't like I didn't decide to go the paid route on on day one, but it could have been an email list. It could have been a YouTube channel. Um, it, it starts with like, what are what are the channels that you're trying to build for for your business, and and why? And then can you match those up to this with the steps that you want somebody to take? There's there's this interesting blending that I'm hearing here. Um, I always reference this this framework that I think people talk about in like book writing, actually, like novels, which is like planner and pantser. So like you either plan meticulously every character and the development, the plot up front, and go from there, or you're you know kind of flying by the seat of your pants. And it sounds like you have a mix where it's like you it's do you whiteboard out like all these different channels and the information? No. Panel? Okay, so you're not. Uh, I, I, I would. I mean, like that. I would like if it was like, hey, we're we're going to start a B two B SaaS company. Like, what's our funnel? I would 100 percent do that. Yeah, we did that at okay. Drift. I've done that at Privy. But for DGMG, it's it's not no. been something that's been meticulously I, planned from the top. No, now I am very off the cuff, and I wish more people <laughs> knew that. Like, I am the farthest thing from like I have this thing planned. Like literally Monday morning of this week, I, I was like, oh, we should. I I've been getting a lot of LinkedIn questions. Let's do a LinkedIn session on on Friday. Yeah, yeah. And we did it right. Um, and so for me, it was more like, yeah, like it was more just uh, very off the cuff and like testing as I go. But that what that's what was so powerful about having an audience on LinkedIn and social media. You can like test I did, stuff all the time. Yeah, all the time, all the time. And so like I I have this example in in the book actually, but like a couple like two years ago when I when I went to Privy and I joined a CMO, I needed to. Um, recruit a whole new marketing team, but I couldn't hire anybody from Drift. And so I'm like, well, I can't hire anybody that I know. <laughs> I've kind of only been focused on Drift for the last four years. How the heck am I going to build a new network of, of people? And so I went on LinkedIn and I posted, I'm thinking about doing a marketing breakfast in Boston. It will probably be in January. If you're interested and you work at a B2B startup in Boston and work in marketing, come in here and just let me know if you'd be interested. And oh, actually, I created a I created like an email alias for it, like a Gmail, and I made a name for it. And I was like, send me an email at this email address. And I, the LinkedIn post maybe only had like a you know handful of comments, but I check, I set up this new Gmail address, and I go and look, and there's two hundred there's two hundred messages. And so that was like perfect example. I could probably start an event in Boston with marketers and do a quarterly breakfast and feel really good about it. Um, and so I I kind of just I kind of have kind of just con- continue to like feel my way around that way and it's one of the reasons why like you have to actually be on social media cuz other that stuff is hard to feel and quantify elsewhere so i don't have all those steps i do have some sense of like a funnel that i want and it's actually recently this year started building out like my dgmg company page and and spending more time with my linkedin and social media because i see how much 90% of the top of the funnel for like my paid community is everybody says they found it from LinkedIn usually. Mm. So I have now that I'm like, I'm like, okay, how, how can I grow that top of the funnel? And so I want people to like, you know, follow on social media. And then I added an email list this year because I realized that the step was too big. It was like, okay, well now I'm crossing the chasm of like the people that are already DGMG members are the people who already knew me and have already like paid for a membership. 
now I got to go to Alex who doesn't know me. And like this, this, this guy who's just sharing like rants on LinkedIn is all of a sudden going to like, think I'm going to pay him $20 a month to join his community. Hell no. And so I needed to like, that was a conscious thought. Like I needed to fix that somehow. So instead I added a, a, a email list, a newsletter. And now I have 12,000 people on that newsletter. And so now the funnel's like, it doesn't just go from social media to, to paid community. It goes social media. Then on my email list, I send out free B2B marketing tips and rants and lessons every week. And then in that newsletter, we promote the community. And sometimes people subscribe. And then if people are in the community, over a couple of months, I realize like, wow, I see all these questions coming up. People want more. Okay, let me try to do a paid workshop or let me now I now I now like I my full-time business is consulting. The 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 four clients that I have for consulting have come entirely through like the DGMG funnel. Mm-hmm. Um and so it hasn't it hasn't necessarily been like conscious and intentional, but you kind of like once you're out there, you start to figure out some of the steps like on the fly and then you can go and 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 pop them in. I would have not have been this successful. I I I almost guarantee it. If I came out of the gate and I was like, "This is my funnel, and I'm going to measure it every week," you know, this how many LinkedIn followers, this how many emailed people, this how many paid subscribers, this how many clients, and and some people want to measure it that way, but I'm just more, I'm much more of like the my biases, creative content, communication, like, and so I I just figured like, look, there's a niche. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a lot about this niche, and I'm gonna build this funnel like on the fly as it comes up. But that's one of the most powerful things about building an audience. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I approach things similarly. I, I like to use a pretentious word for it, which is epistemological humility, right? Like if you analyze everything up front and say, this is your funnel, you're kind of, you're not admitting to yourself that you don't know all the answers. Whereas you're leaving a little yeah. bit of space to say like, I don't know what's going to work. And I'm, it's I'm also okay like with that. Relative. I want to find out. It's relative to what is relative to what you're doing. And so like, yeah, if you're an e-commerce brand and you're selling hoodies then your funnel needs to be a, a lot more quantitative than what I'm saying right now. Cause it's like, we need this much traffic. We need this much conversion rate. That means we need to spend, you know, we need to get CPMs for this much and click through rates for this much. And you can build your whole funnel that way. But I think mm-hmm. what I'm talking about is from a B2B standpoint. And so, yeah, think about like, what if your agency business was built on like this spreadsheet that had like how many times a week you needed to post on LinkedIn, you know, if you get 20,000, and this is where so many companies make this mistake, they try to like come up with these like arbitrary goals. Like, mm. well, 40,000 followers on LinkedIn should convert about 2% of people into email lists. It just never works that way. And so it's good to have some of those like thoughts about what you want the funnel to be. But ultimately, like your best sales strategy from a B2B standpoint is to, I think it's like this one two punch approach, which is on one side of the coin, you're going targeted one-to-one outreach. Who are your dream customers? You, who you've already helped these types of people. Who can you go find? You're going them directly. And then while you're doing that, you're starting to build up your awareness and build up your brand through content, through personality, through thought leadership. And it's like those two things can operate in parallel. People just think that you have to either be doing one or the other. And that's not true. That's exactly what we're doing. So I love to hear that. Um, you mentioned you you get a lot of leads uh, for the community from LinkedIn, and that's kind of the top of the funnel. And you're thinking about scaling that up. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and think about scaling, meaning like I'm just actively trying to. I feel like I have a why for posting now because I, I'm I'm building this business with DGMG. I'm actually going to work on like rebranding and renaming it, and I have a bunch of ideas around that. And so I I do want to have more of that funnel. 
Um, but yeah. Have you, I mean, your brand and voice is, is very, you know, top of mind. So like when somebody sees what you post on LinkedIn, I, th- I think you've got a distinct style. So like after a certain point, like, can you, you couldn't outsource this, could you? Um, maybe you could. I don't know. I'm. Try- I'm I ask because I'm trying to outsource like, my LinkedIn right now, and it's not. Well, okay. So, yeah. so you can. You can. And, um, I have somebody that helps me with LinkedIn, but what he helps me with is not my words and my thoughts. Like, and there was actually somebody recently who's like, I want to, like, I want to do what you did, and um, I want to, you know, like, I want to build this business and I want to build it off of LinkedIn. And uh, like, let's just hire me a ghostwriter, and like, I'm gonna build my LinkedIn account. And I was so offended by that because I'm like, I, I spent ten years like putting content like out about marketing, focusing on marketing, sharing what I'm doing, building credibility and trust. And so now, and I put out a ton of content. Like, I do a bunch of podcast interviews. I have a newsletter. I have a blog. I'm posting five, six, seven times a week in the DGMG community. Like, now I'm a, I'm a ghostwriter's dream because I'm I'm putting stuff out there and so like I don't have to say like hey fit, let's figure out and I'm and I tweet I'm tweeting all the time and so like I don't think you can I think you first need to you need to have something to say and you need to have a point of view and you need to like communicate that regularly and then maybe once you have a system um I'm working with somebody who's like the goal is to help me scale it because I've mm-hmm. proven now to like you know 100,000 followers or whatever on Twitter I feel like that could grow. And if that grows, I'll get more people that will find out about DGMG. So he's gonna he's helping me with that. But yeah, I don't I I don't think you can uh you can't outsource the 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 content piece of it because eventually it's just gonna break. Eventually, you know, you run a content marketing agency, so someone's gonna ghostwrite for you and like post some content memes and maybe some of your thought leadership. And it's gonna kind of work, but it's like it, it's ultimately about like the long-term consistency thing. And it takes it takes a really long time. You might get lucky, and it might happen overnight. But I think for most people, it doesn't. And so it, it takes a lot of time, and it's a it's a hard thing to it is a hard thing to outsource. However, to, okay. however, though, like you can out you can outsource it better. Like if you have some other content things, like Ben, who's a CEO at Privy, for example, he has a daily podcast. So he's doing a five to ten minute a day podcast episode. If he wanted to like outsource his social media, I would say that could probably be effective because his voice is like he's already putting that out into the world multiple times. And so there's like actually something for someone to work with versus like if you're playing this game of like founder has never really said anything, ghostwriter trying to guess what you want versus like I got a founder who's done a hundred podcast episodes, then yes, we could, you know, get someone to ghostwrite and help social media from from that capacity. But I think for most people it's gotta be you. And in that sense, it feels a lot more like repurposing than ghostwriting. Like you're just taking that yes. content that they've said and, and building it for this specific format, which yeah, you know, it's basically the same yeah. thing. So like content a, anyway. As an example, like now, like um, the help that I have with LinkedIn is more like it's more about like I posted a bunch of things a year ago that got a lot of traction or were interesting, but LinkedIn. Will, like, let's say you have a hundred thousand followers on LinkedIn. Do a hundred thousand followers see every one of your posts? No, I could post something right now, and like seven thousand people would see it. And so there's ninety three thousand people who never saw that post. And so we're like, I've I've put out content so much on LinkedIn. Now it's like, okay, are there? Can you can you replay the hits? And like, you know this from a content standpoint, but just because you wrote it once doesn't mean it's not going to work again. And so like, mm-hmm. it's about taking 
taking this other stuff and getting it back into the into the mix. But ultimately, you have to be you have to be interesting. You have to the 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 the, the advice is not like just just post on LinkedIn every day, Alex. You'll be you'll you'll build a brand, and that is that's not it. You have to first be Alex and have something interesting to say. And have people who care about care about the thing you're talking about and have a different way to convey it. And for me, it was like I came in at a time and like we were questioning a lot of like the traditional B2B marketing stuff. And that attracted like a new group of B2B marketing people. And now I've evolved and I don't necessarily like I'm not so negative and questioning things contrarian. all the time. Yeah. Contrarian. I'm not so contrarian all the time. I'm more like sharing what I'm doing and what I'm observing. And now I'm in a different spot and I have cl- I have four clients and I have a, a community of 4,000 marketers. And Shoot, I have a unique perspective on B2B marketing now just because of the things that I'm observing every day. And so I'm not thinking about like, I got to think about what I'm going to write. I'm like, I just had a call with a client and they clearly still don't get email marketing. I'm going to write a rant about email marketing. And that's not just me making that up. That's like based on something that I, that I learned. <laughs> this is funny. This, uh, David, uh, my co-founder and I have been working on you know, our Twitter and LinkedIn stuff. And uh, at first he had trouble thinking about what to write, but then he thought like, what annoys me? What do I disagree with? What do I get angry about in the marketing space? And then he would just find himself passionately writing responses to that. And it reminded me of this um, scene from School of Rock when they're trying to write their first rock song and they're like, all right, what ticks you off? It's like homework, homework ticks me off. And they just go through you know, each piece and like write this whole song about just like ranting about things they don't like. And I do feel like that's a, a method you could use um, to at least have some opinions that stand out that aren't just like, you know, cookie cutter, fortune cookie, uh, marketing fluff. Yeah. Have an, have, have an opinion for sure. Like people even will say things like email's not dead still, and that will go viral. And like, you know, it doesn't have to be new. It just has to be relevant. And I think when it's based on things that you're actually doing, then it will come off as authentic and, and real, you know? Totally. So on a personal level, who are you chasing and what's your long game? Who am I chasing? Yeah. What's, what's the long game for you? Like, where are you looking towards? I don't towards know. Honestly, towards? I'm in a, I'm in a weird spot. I don't, I don't have a, I don't really have a ma- a big master plan. Uh, I'm, I, you know, like this is, this is like person, this is personal, but I'm just, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I worked at two companies in the last couple of years that that got acquired, and so like you know we've done well financially, and so I don't I don't feel the need to like my master plan isn't like to like grind and build DGMG into some fun you know some hundred million dollar business. I feel very 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 fortunate uh, at this point in my life, and I'm in my mid thirties, and I have two little kids, and so like my number one priority is to like do what I want and spend as much time with my family. It's chaos in my house right now, if you can hear. Um, <laughs> spend as much time with them as possible and then do all the marketing stuff that I want to do. And so like, I don't, I don't have some, some master plan, but I am, you know, I, I do love marketing and I love building. And so like, I kind of like, that's my number one. But number two is like, I, I would like to see what can happen with DGMG. And I think what I have learned is that it started off as like a paid community of people who wanted to like hear me talk more privately about marketing. But what it's evolved to is it's become this community of B2B marketers who are like getting promoted, not because of things that I said, but I've, I've created the community, but they're talking to each other or there's like, they're learning from other threads. It's not like, Hey, here's, here's Dave. Here's a rant. Oh, let's rant about email marketing. Yep. No, 
And so it's, it's, that was the initial wedge, but it's like evolved from that to be like my realization in the last probably couple of months is like, whoa, there's something really special here about like B2B marketing and helping B2B marketers finding jobs and getting promoted. And I've, I've been there as a B2B marketing person at a company. You don't have a lot of people inside your company to talk about and like, hey, Dave, go create your marketing plan for the year. And I'm like, I've never done that before. Like, how many, how many marketing people doing? Like, when first time I hired a team, it's like, how many, how many people should I hire? Like, I have a budget of X. Like, what are the ratios? Who should you hire? What agencies are you working with? And so it's kind of like organically come together as that. That compared and marry that up with the trend of I'm seeing more companies like HubSpot acquire the hustle, like Outreach acquire Sales Hacker, like um, uh, Zapier acquire MakerPad, and there's millions of other examples. And I've been lately thinking about like, hmm, am I like should I be thinking about this differently? And there is could be some longer term play. I don't need that to happen. It would be a, it would be cool if it did if it was the right fit down the road. But that's kind of the thing that I'm tinkering with right now. And so. My biggest like creative challenge right now, now that the book is is out, is um how can I kind of like pivot DGMG? And I don't mean pivot, but more like repackage and and rename and rebrand. How do I how do I make it not like the Dave Gerhardt show, which I really don't want it to be, and people don't want that to be either, to more like this is the place to go if you're in B2B marketing and this is your cheat code. And like this is like you you got a leg up on getting a promotion because you joined this community. That's what I'm trying to focus on, and like, what are all the things that need to happen, and then how does how can that grow? Should I be doing more with my podcast? Should I be doing more with video? Like, then I might actually think about building a funnel. But you got some very real, honest answers from me on that one, so I hope that was okay. That's sick. I love that. Yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds like a creative playground, and you've got a ton of optionality, and it's just it's like fun to work on right now. Um, we're yeah, it's a it's a gift and a curse because I I can do anything, and I can, and then like I'm <laughs> the only one to hold myself. Like, yeah, like. And then I'll have a week where like I'll be like, yeah, I'm gonna go build a golf brand and you know, forget <laughs> this B2B stuff. This stuff is boring. I'm not gonna do this. And then I'm like, no, dummy, stick to what you know. And like you're just at the beginning of this thing and you can do that other stuff later. So it's just the constant battle with myself. Yes. Yeah, man. We've got similar minds, blessing and a curse. Um, so we're we're basically at time. Uh, so I wanna ask if one, if there's anything you wanted to say that you haven't said. And two, just you know, point people where they can find you online. We've mentioned DGMG a bunch, but you know, where where should people go to find you? Yeah, um, just the, the best thing now is go to grab a copy of my book. It's you go to Amazon and type Founder Brand. Um, that that has a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, and the early response to the book has been positive. So if you if you like that, check it out. Otherwise, I'm just I'm everywhere. Um, Dave Gerhart on my website and social media and stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs>